to Acts 2. We will be going back to our studies in Ephesians, but this morning I want to just read um, verses from Acts 2. I use these as a kind of scriptural background and uh, for, for what we're doing as regards growth groups. Acts chapter 2, well-known verses, going to read from verse 42 to the end of the chapter. We read these words. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So reads God's precious word, verses that mean a great deal to me. They are verses that I first preached here following my induction in August 2004. And as I said then, they are verses that serve for me as a blueprint for what any church should aspire to. They also encapsulate what the desire of the leadership is in putting in place a structured, though fluid, small group ministry. Last week, we were, last weekend, we were down, on, down in Glasgow, and uh, on the Saturday morning, I had the, the great joy and privilege of being dragged along to Ikea. <laughs> Stay away from Ikea on a Saturday morning if it's raining. We needed two chairs, or at least bits of two chairs. And uh, we brought them back up the road, and uh, Susan constructed them and put them, put them together yesterday following the instructions. And it's a good thing to do that, to follow the instructions, to go back to the manual. And here, in the early chapters of Acts, we have, as it were, an inside look at how the early church went about their business. In chapter 1, we see them joining together in prayer. 
In chapter 2, we have Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost when 3,000, 3,000 were added to the church in one day. And in the verses we read, we see what their fellowship was like, what it entailed. Because brothers and sisters, fellowship, true fellowship, is not just getting together over a cup of tea. Nothing wrong with that. But it's not true biblical fellowship. And we'll come to that. So I want to share with you from these verses four things. Firstly, we see clearly that there was a devoting. We came across this word in our text for the year when we are encouraged to devote ourselves to prayer, something that we'll see that the early church did. But it is worth reminding ourselves what the word means. Because it speaks of, as one scholar says, a continued faithful adherence to something. A continued faithful adherence to something. We can be devoted to many things, and, and I guess that we can put forward a case for each one of them. However, notice what the early church were devoted to. Luke tells us of at least four things. The apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And it's three of these things that I wish to highlight this morning. Not because the four of them aren't important, but I wish to major in on three of them. In order that they may be at the very center of each of these growth groups. I won't be surprised to hear, indeed I would be surprised if you were surprised, that they are teaching, they are praying, and they are the fellowship. The first thing was the apostles' teaching, which included all that Jesus taught, and which has come down to us in the New Testament. And these early believers were devoted to its teaching. And brothers and sisters, if you wish to grow more like Jesus, and if you wish to learn more of Jesus, and you wish to learn more of God's will for you, then you need to spend time in his word. Not just listening to it for 20 minutes or okay, a bit longer on a Sunday morning. How devoted are you to the reading and the discussing and the applying of God's word? What time do you give to it daily? When did you last sit down with someone and discuss God's word and the implications that it has for us in the day and the age in which we live? It has to be central to everything that we do. 
has to be central to our life. We have to be devoted to it. We also see that they were devoted to the fellowship. That is, they were devoted to one another. This was not some kind of casual acquaintance. It was a deep-rooted care and concern for one another. And we'll see what that meant in practice in our next point. But I think, first of all, we have to grasp the real meaning of fellowship. Because, just a personal belief, but I think that the word fellowship has become a bit like the word worship in that it has come to mean many things to many different people. It's got rather vague and actually what it means. And the word that Paul, it's sort of the word that Luke uses here, the word that Luke uses here is in the, in the original Greek, it's the word kinoia. It's a favorite word of Paul's. And at its very basic meaning, it has the idea of sharing, of participation, of, if you like, a common bond. However, it is much more than just a get-together. And it's not so much something that happens as in a kind of event, but at the very heart of the word of the meaning, it actually is a connecting. A connecting. It is about sharing. But the word is also used to denote, amongst other things, intimacy. So, so with, if you like, these two meanings, it is about an intimate Sharing. And as one writer says, of the 19 times the word is used in the New Testament, I'm so glad that there are people who take time to kind of look into these things, but of the 19 times that it is used, it suggests that the church used this word for the unique sharing that Christians have with God and with one another. It is, if you like, God time. We study his word and we connect with him and with one another. So often we can meet and we can talk about anything and everything, but not God and his word and its application, or our hopes, or our cares, our fears, our worries. That is true fellowship. And so the idea, the general idea of fellowship is kind of cozy chat. It's kind of far removed from what the first century saw it as. They saw it as a caring and a sharing. 
They not only had a mutual affection, but they had a great deal of conversation centered around the apostles' teaching. You see, there is, or there should be, something very special when God's people gather together around his word. When we study it, when we discuss it. That's what lies at the heart of these groups. One of my favorite passages in all of Scripture is the account of the risen Lord Jesus when he met the two disciples on the Emmaus Road. And we are told that as he talked with them, and as he opened up the Scriptures, their hearts burned within them. When was the last time you sat down with a group of believers to study God's word and your heart burned as you studied the word of God? Well, you've got that opportunity to do so. Devotion to teaching devotion to fellowship and then to prayer. I have said enough about prayer over the years, including looking at it in detail as part of our text for the year, so I don't want to say too much more on it here. However, what I do want to say and what I do want to emphasize as brothers and sisters, prayer needs to play a central part not just in these groups, but also in the wider church fellowship. We need to become a praying people. And we have sought in the new structure to make corporate prayer more accessible. We, we know everybody can't make it on a Thursday night. But you might make it on a Saturday morning or a Sunday evening. But whatever prayer needs to be a priority. You cannot read the early chapters of Acts and not see the importance that prayer played in the life of the early church. And surely, if we really believe in the power of prayer, then we will find time to devote ourselves to it. These three things, the studying of God's word, the caring for one another in the fellowship, and prayer, have to lie at the very center of these new groups or we're wasting our time. Do you notice the impact that it had on the early church? Everyone, not just some of them, everyone was filled with awe. That is, with wonder and with amazement and many wonders and many miracles were done by the apostles. Don't you long for that? Don't you long for that as we meet to be filled with awe 
And to see God performing wonders and miracles today, his arm is not shortened. He is still the same. He is still able to do and perform miracles and wonders today. Perhaps we need to stop looking at these things as the exception and pray that they might become the normal. Because it was the normal in the early church. Devoting. Secondly, and the next three points won't be anywhere near as long, I promise you. Secondly, notice we read about sharing. Verses 44 and 45, you've got your Bible open, look down at them, because verses 44 and verses 45 are actually quite hard-hitting and they are very challenging verses. Notice what we are told. They were together. That is, they were at one. There were no kind of little cliques here or there. They had everything in common. And selling their possessions and goods, they gave as need arose. As I said, that is quite a disturbing verse, is it not? I think it's a verse that sometimes, if we're honest, we just kind of um, skip over we, t- today. We kind of come up with the excuse, well, that was before state help and all that, so, you know, it doesn't really apply to us now. For me, The clue is in the phrase, as they had need. It would appear, in other chapters in Acts bring this out, it would appear to be a voluntary thing. And every Christian has got to make up their own mind before God in this matter. Yet, we are called to generosity. And John, writing in 1 John 3.17, says this, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? As I said before, it's the things in the Bible that I understand clearly that give me the biggest problems rather than things I don't understand. That, that can't be, you know. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity, how can the love of God be? They gave as was the need. They shared with one another. It's challenging. It's radical. And the only way to genuinely get to know one another and get to know one another's needs is to spend time with one another. None had need. What a reckon, what a commendation for a church to have. None. There was no need of anything in the fellowship. Everyone gave to those who had. There's so many ways that that could be taken, isn't there? Cook a dinner for somebody. Pay a visit. Or a phone call. A little gift. The offering to babysit. The offering to do an ironing. 
do whatever and wherever there is a need. I believe that this sharing stemmed from their devoting. Devoting, sharing. Thirdly, we read of praising. Notice verses 46 in the first part of verse 47. And as you read these verses, uh, you can almost feel the praise that emanates from such a gathering of God's people. Every day they met together in the temple courts. It's interesting that with that to know that their fellowship, their coming together was both formal in the temple courts and informal in houses. John Stott commenting on this very point, says this, there is no need to polarize between the structured and the unstructured, the traditional and the spontaneous. The church needs both. They broke bread, which as most commentators agree here in these verses, 46 and 47, um, not necessarily means the Lord's Supper as we would know it. The one thing that struck me about these meanings as I read and studied again these verses this week was their joy. Notice the words that Luke uses. Joy. Glad. Sincere. Praise. There's a balance that is struck there that is so important, that is vital, because it was joyful, but it was also reverent. These times were times of learning God's word. These times were times of praying. These times were times of, of sharing and, and, and of praising God. Brothers and sisters, who would not want to be part of something like that? And that is what the prayer of the leadership is that these growth groups will become. Devoting, sharing, praising. One final thought. Notice how we read of them growing. Verse 47 tells us that they enjoyed the favor of all the people. That's a good testimony, isn't it? Such was their witness, such was their testimony. But notice how we are told the Lord added daily those who were being saved. Daily. So much in this final verse, but let me just cover it off quickly and I may very well return to it another time. Firstly, it's important for us to see that it was the Lord who added. It's his work. He's just called us to be faithful. It is the Lord who adds. And how we pray that in his grace and in his mercy, he will do that. Secondly, notice, it was a daily occurrence. Daily occurrence. Sometimes we think, Lord, even we could just see people coming on a weekly basis, we would be doing cartwheels. 
daily. This growth was not kind of some exceptional once-in-a-while thing. It was a daily experience. Which I guess means that the church was daily, actively living out and sharing their faith wherever they went. See, the idea behind this is not just to build us up in our faith. That's important. But it is also that we might be more effective in our witnessing to one another. I've said it before, I'm convinced that some of the reasons that, that we're not so good about speaking to outsiders about the Lord is we struggle to speak to one another about the Lord and the things he's doing. And then notice the Lord did not add them to the church. This is an important point. Well, they're all important. But notice that the Lord did not add them to the church without first saving them. And the opposite is also true. He did not save them without adding them to the church. Church membership is, I believe, important. The church, the true church of Jesus Christ is made up of living stones. It is made up of those who have been born of the Spirit and washed in the blood. We are called to believe and to be baptized. And I believe Scripture speaks strongly of affiliating yourself, committing yourself to church membership. Quoted from a book that I'm rereading called Divine Project. Let me finish with that same quote. We yearn for every member of our congregation to grasp this and live it. To pray for and to reach out to those around them to make new disciples and to nurture and edify and encourage one another to maturity in Christ. Will you get involved? Yes, it will be a bit, a bit messy. Well, it will be a bit messy. It might very well be very messy. Yes, it will mean certain changes. We're not doing anything new. We're going back to what the early church did. But I believe that if we devote ourselves to learning and to praying and to sharing and to praising, God, God will give the growing, both in our own walk and witness and in the adding of those to whom he will save.